Welcome back, dear listener, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Caspar McClinton, and with me is my good friend, Liam Webster McAllister. How are you, mate? Pleasure to have you on. Well, it's good to be here, and uh, I'm in high hopes because, well, Collingwood won on the weekend, so that makes the whole week until the next game at least an enjoyable week for me. What a fantastic weekend it was for Collingwood, and I checked the odds your favourites against Hawthorne this weekend. I don't, I'll get your opinion about how that makes you feel later on in the podcast. Basically, dear listener, in case you don't know, three different sections this podcast has. Section one, we each discuss our top two highlights and top two lowlights. Section two, we will uh, discuss the major talking points to come out of the weekend. And section three, we will preview round 21. Let's get stuck into section one. Liam, what were your top two highlights of round 20? Plenty to choose from. Yeah, um, I'll start with one, which I think most football fans, even if you don't like Carlton, it had to be a great sight to see Charlie Kerno back after the best part of two years. Um, And I have many... Carlton friends and people I know who support Carlton and they are extremely excited because it's been despite both uh, Harry Mackay and Charlie Kuno being at Carlton now for you know a reasonable long time the two haven't had much of a chance to actually play together despite being two brilliant key forwards um, so if those two can both stay fit I mean we've already seen what Harry Mackay can achieve this year he's leading the Coleman race with 57 goals um, if you know Charlie Kuno can stay fit you know, I think the back end of this year, the last couple of rounds, if he can play, it's just about getting back to fitness um, and maybe, you know, trying to get his game sense back. But maybe next year with a full preseason, I think Carlton will be extremely excited to see what they can get out of those two. So that was my first highlight. And then the second one was just pretty straightforward for me, obviously being a Collingwood supporter. Um, that game against West Coast was just a brilliant watch, um, namely the first half. I think the first half we were absolutely brilliant and West Coast were well off the pace um, which I'll get to soon I'm very sure Um, but I think the second half the Eagles came out were a little bit better but I think Collingwood hung in there and played defensively well enough in the second half to hold them off so that was my second highlight but uh, how about yourself? I also mentioned uh, players returning back from from injuries long awaited comebacks not just Charlie Kerno, but also Nakaya Cockatoo. His first game since round three, 2018. Not a great result for Brisbane down in Tasmania, but he did kick a goal, Cockatoo, and it was a fantastic moment. So great to see both Kerno and Cockatoo back. Great to see them both kicking a goal in their return games. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you got to do, dear listener, hopefully will be a long time before either of them have any injuries again second highlight the Giants couldn't take advantage to jump into the eight the Bombers couldn't take advantage and jump into the eight the Saints couldn't take advantage and jump into the eight Fremantle could I tipped the Dockers more so out of hope that they would beat Richmond more than actually thinking that they were going to do it but what a fantastic win for Fremantle and it was their young players too and this is such 
an important sign because it shows growing maturity that they can win these important games without Fife or Walters in the team. Their younger players are stepping up, Chera, uh, Brayshaw, just a fantastic victory. And they had to defend for their lives the last six. I think they hit the front with like six minutes to go. And they had to defend like all for the final six minutes. So fantastic effort, Fremantle. Uh, truly a wonderful victory, especially at home, especially in front of your fans. Man, that roar. It sounded like there was a full 60,000 people in that stadium. Now on to our top two lowlights. Turns out that uh, Taylor Walker has been banned for six weeks, six games, excuse me, because of, uh, and I want to be careful here, an alleged racist comment made. Now, my understanding is that Taylor Walker has apologized for the comment. So I'm not sure if I still have to use the word alleged if he's apologized for it. But nevertheless, the fact that he made that comment in the first place, but especially in 2021, but how did he think that that was an acceptable thing to do in any point in history, but especially now? I mean, come on. Especially in an industry that has had many of its Indigenous players this year alone, victims of racial abuse online. And he thinks it's a good idea to go and do that. Potentially, he's gotten off very lightly. Taylor Walker, big fine and, and six, uh, six out. Potentially, very lucky indeed. As for the second low light, man, take your pick. Take your pick. Which loss was worse, St Kilda losing to Carlton, Brisbane losing to Hawthorne, or West Coast losing to Collingwood? Which loss was worse? Didn't even mention Gold Coast losing to Melbourne. So instead, I'll mention the quality of contests across round 20. Because we've had a lot of great games this year, but this round, there were two good games of football. I was pretty disappointing as a neutral supporter. Granted, those two games were pretty good, including potentially the game of the year when the Swans pit the Bombers on the weekend. But aside from that, and Fremantle just edging past Richmond, what, every single other game was like either a comfortable victory or an annihilation. It was boring to watch. It was a boring weekend of football. How about you, Liam? Yeah, I can understand the sentiment of it being a little bit boring, obviously, because there was a, you know, quite a few comfortable wins. But <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not going to complain about my team's performance when <laughs> we got a comfortable win. But also, we've got to take into context that there was a lot of surprise results. So, you know, yes, okay, there were some comfortable wins in there. Um, but every now and again, there's going to be a week where there's going to be results like that. And there's going to be a few surprise results here and there. And um you just got to take each week as it comes. One week, one week we could have the best games of the year, and the next it could be a, a bit of a poor weekend. But um, moving on from uh, discussing your own, uh, my two lowlights were Gold Coast just absolute having their pants pulled down virtually. Like, don't get me wrong, Melbourne are you know definitely in flag contention. Um, you know they're a great team. They've been brilliant for the majority of the year. But ninety eight points, like. Uh, and to only kick 30 points of your own as well, like, it, it, it's hard. Two quarters without kicking a goal. Yeah. I mean, 
it, it, it yeah, it, it's hard to find any positives in that Gold Coast performance. I, it, like, if you're a Gold Coast fan, I, I've got to say that would have been quite hard to watch. So that was my first low light. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, you know, Tex Walker's comments were definitely, um, you know, one to mention. But I think also if, if you know, in the interest of uh, a bit more originality, moving on from yourself, I'd probably say, you know, pro- probably the, the worst loss aside from Gold Coast to me was probably West Coast because, granted, you know, Collingwood would have been a little bit better the last month or two or at least on and off better. Some games they look good, some they don't. Um, but this was a game that Eagles really needed to win to solidify um, their finals hopes, I think. You know, don't get me wrong, there's still time for them. They're still in a good position. But this was a game they could have really given themselves some breathing room against a team that even, you know, in uh, Victoria, they should be beating. Like, you know, like I said, Collingwood have been better, but the Eagles are a far better team this year on the whole than Collingwood, and they shouldn't be losing to them, uh, whether it's in, whether it's, you know, in the West or here, they should have been picking up the four points and establishing a bit of breathing space between themselves and the teams below them. But uh, it was a really disappointing performance. And they were probably to a degree lucky to get away with 45 points because, especially like I said earlier in the first half, the Eagles had absolutely nothing going forward. Um, and, you know, Collingwood were good defensively, but their, their forward 50 entry was just absolutely abysmal. Like they were virtually kicking it to the Collingwood players in the first half. And then they picked it up in the second half a little bit, but yeah, it was just an absolute shambles from West Coast. They look like a team that would struggle to be in the AFL in that first half. So that was my second low light. Shannon Hearn, the first Eagles player to play 300 games. Think about all the champion Eagles players throughout the club's you know, compared to the Victorian clubs, pretty short history. They've only been in the competition since 1987. Yet they've had phenomenal player after phenomenal player after phenomenal player. Ben Cousins, John Westfall, Glenn Jakovic, et cetera, et cetera, Peter Matera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Dean Cox. And yet none were uh, around long enough to play 300 games until yet until yesterday, until the weekend when Shannon Hearn, the most recent captain, played 300 games. Full kudos to him, but I do have to ask of his teammates. You were playing a team that before that game was 16th on the ladder, had something like 10 players with less than 50 games experience. He knew he needed to win in order to secure a finals berth and you kick one goal in the first half and trail by 50 points at halftime. Dom Sheed, after that game, came out and he said, oh, you, yeah, I personally apologised to Shannon Hearn for, for my performance in that. I hope they all did. They all should apologise to him and bow down and kiss his feet. They don't deserve to be on the same team as Shannon Hearn at the moment with the way they're performing. And now they have Melbourne, Fremantle and Brisbane to finish off the season. While we're at it, let's get on to section two. The four major talking points to come out of the weekend. Let's just get straight into one of the questions. The two Western Australian teams are in a dogfight with five other teams for the final two spots in the eight. Now, uh, Liam, I don't think that finals this year can feature both West Coast and Fremantle. I think it has to be one or the other. 
and it could very well come down to that round 22 game. Based off of the season so far, especially the last couple of weeks, and their fixtures to come, which team from WA do you think is more likely to make finals football this year? Fremantle or West Coast? Well, you know, both teams do have tough games. Fremantle have Brisbane this week, West Coast the following, and then St Kilda in the last round. And West Coast have Melbourne this week, Freo the next week, and then Brisbane the last round. So they both have to play each other and Brisbane, and then it's a toss because Freo have to play the Saints and West Coast have to play Melbourne as kind of different games. Um, I think ultimately it probably will come down to when they play each other. Um, because I think there's a good chance that they, I mean, I, I think Fremantle are more likely to, to win a game than West Coast are out of the other two games they have. I think Fremantle are a reasonable chance against St Kilda. Um, I, I'd probably still say Brisbane edge both of those teams, if, especially if they can find some form. Um, so Fremantle have probably have a favourable draw, albeit still a difficult one. Um, you know, depending on how, what St Kilda turns up, because when St Kilda turn up, they're actually all right, but they only seem to turn up once or twice every four or five weeks. Um, no. <laughs> so I think it's probably going to come down to when they play, but I think just because of the percentage, I think West Coast have roughly about 4 to 5% percentage. Um, yeah, they have 5% exactly percentage on Fremantle um, and also the game in hand. I think I'm going to give... West Coast the edge, um, but I think ultimately it's virtually a 50-50. I'm just going to go West Coast because they have the advantage as things stand, but based on fixtures, that could be thrown over to Frio um, if, you know, West Coast don't at least pick up probably at least, well, West Coast need to win a game if they're going to make the eight. They can't expect to lose all three of those, so they need to hope they at least beat Fremantle, if not someone else along the way. How about yourself? West Coast play, as I said, Melbourne on Monday night, Fremantle after that. Uh, my guess is that that will be on Sunday because the AFL Players Association seems to really hate teams playing on five-day breaks. And uh, then Brisbane the week after that in southeast Queensland. Now, they and of course, they could win all three of those games. They could win all three of those games. Brisbane could collapse and West Coast could somehow end up winning a home final or winning the right to play a home final in Perth this year. It's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because Melbourne, I think, rediscovered a little bit of form against Gold Coast, especially their forward line, because their defense, Melbourne, has been really good. Even in their losses, they've been really good defensively. It's their forward line that's been struggling. And I reckon the Suns have played... Melbourne into form. So they probably won't beat the D's, especially because Melbourne know that it's a dogfight for that top two spot and they're going to want it because if they don't, there's a chance that they have to play Geelong and Geelong, which they don't like doing. Then after that, you know that West Coast aren't going to, they don't like playing in Southeast Queensland, that so they're probably not going to beat Brisbane which means it will come down around 22. Fremantle, conversely, off of current form, should beat St Kilda in round 23, even if that game is currently scheduled for Marvel Stadium. 
Interestingly enough, and we'll get onto the Saints later, they don't play Marvel Stadium well, at least not this season, which is really interesting. But anyways, they play uh, Fremantle, play Brisbane this weekend in Perth. I'm not sure they're going to win, but what a, what a chance, what a time to get Brisbane at home. And you know how good the Dockers are at home. So based off of form, I'm tipping Fremantle to make it because I cannot see West Coast off of form winning any of their remaining three matches. I just can't do it. And the way that I look at it is that they lost to North Melbourne. No offense, North Melbourne supporters, but they lost to North Melbourne in Perth this year. So why won't they lose to Melbourne? You know what I mean? So I, I'm going with the Dockers, basically. Long-winded way to say I'm going with the, uh, the Purple Haze in that one. Goodness gracious me. Now I just need to find out what the other questions were that I asked you. Um, Would you like me to take the rest here, Casper? Yes, please. I'm well, for our second discussion point, um, we were going to discuss Brisbane's chance to turn their form around. Um, I'm happy to take the reins here, if you like, Casper. Um, I, I think I think they will. I think they're likely to win probably at least two of their remaining three games. I think they've got a. I, I think I mean. Again, who knows? Collingwood might pull off a surprise result, but I highly doubt it. Um, so I back Brisbane in that. And also based off form, um, they have the Eagles, both of which I believe, unless things obviously change, will be at the Gabba. Um, so, you know, I can't see Collingwood and definitely not the Eagles who love travelling over to the Gold Coast or into that general vicinity, Queensland in general. They just love travelling there, don't they, West Coast? So I don't think either of those teams are probably going to be able to mount challenge at the Gabba. Um, so I think they're likely to at least win two. And then, as we discussed earlier, they also have to play Fremantle. So they could quite possibly go three and three. Um, I think they'll go at least two out of those three. Um, you know, they might beat Fremantle instead of West Coast. I don't know. They might beat, you know, West Coast and Fremantle and lose to Collingwood. I don't know. I wouldn't bank on that, by the way, just saying. Um, but I think they're a reasonable chance to go at least two, if not three, and that'll be a good chance for them to build some much-needed momentum heading into the finals and give themselves maybe still, a, you know, a reasonable chance. At, I mean, it's a bit of an ask. I was going to say maybe they could push for top four, but I don't think that's going to happen now because unless Port Adelaide or Melbourne absolutely collapse, I think it's highly unlikely. Um, but three wins out of three could give them the slightest of sniffs. So I think they will get form. Uh, whether or not they get top four is obviously another another matter entirely, but uh, they probably would still be hoping for a, uh, a home final. How about yourself? I was just about to ask whether or not you were saying, oh, you know, they could lose to Collingwood with a little bit of a bias thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, just, just stressing, I, I, I definitely don't think we will beat them, but you never know. Right. Um, recent history is mixed when it comes to underperforming teams who make finals football playing one or two quote-unquote easier opponents just before the finals and then playing in finals it, it uh for example 2018 Geelong finished eighth had a pretty mediocre season but they had two 100 point plus wins in a row at home 
against the lowly Fremantle Dockers and the lowly Gold Coast Suns. In that game against Fremantle, they can, they kicked a record 23 goals in a row. The Western Bulldogs nearly did that to Essendon a year later, but that's by the by. In 2019, oh, sorry, 2018 Geelong, they got crushed by Melbourne in the opening final. So obviously, those two 100-point-plus wins were a bit of a false dawn. A year later, the Giants, who were coming off two abysmal losses, one to Hawthorne in the snow and one to the Dogs by just over 10 goals at home, played Gold Coast in the final round and perhaps predictably crushed the Suns. And we know what happened to them in the finals. They went on a canter. So I don't know. I I, I get I have a mixed feeling. I get I have mixed feelings about whether or not uh, playing teams that you should absolutely annihilate before finals helps you or hinders you. But with that being said, Brisbane have an opportunity. They're still in the hunt for the top four. You're right. It would require Port to collapse a little bit. It It would require Sydney to stumble, which I don't think the Swans will do because Sydney played three teams that they should also win. But at least it would, it should give Brisbane an opportunity to kind of fine-tune their game plan a little bit, try and fill some injury holes in the final three weeks of the season so that when finals comes around, they have the best team possible out there playing in a position that will catch the opponent out. Um, so I'm saying they could absolutely rediscover their form. Chris Fagan is one of my favourite coaches in the league. And it's because he's such a great coach. And he obviously has such a great report with his players. So because of those reasons, and they still have champion players playing, although I think Lockie Neal was out this weekend, which is not great. It should be you know, their, their champion team, Brisbane. So wouldn't surprise me if they, they could win the flag from six. Who knows? Uh, but guess we'll see. Are they a champion team, Casper, or a team of champions? That's that's what that's what the people really want to know. <laughs> They're a champion team. Agreed. Yes, they are. They're a champion team. You know, it's not like in footy. It's not like basketball where you can have two or three really really great players, and then the other players are like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we have all these great. We have these two or three great players on our team, and the other ones, I don't know who they are. I mean, if you look and at the two. If you look at the two teams who have won three premierships in a short span of time, obviously Hawks and Richmond over, over the last well six seven years now, um, you'd probably argue that they have probably you know 14, 15 superstars and then a couple of role players who still do their job every week. They might not be players who will get twenty five touches or you know take ten marks or kick four goals, but they'll do their job. It might be ten touches, but they're efficient touches, or they might be you know, a couple of marks, but they're at the, the important times of games, etc. So I totally agree that you, you need a very strong group of players with a couple of role players potentially in there who just do their job week in, week out. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hey, what's another question I asked you? Sorry? Do you have the questions <laughs> in front of you? Oh, yeah, the questions, of course. Hang on, I'll have to just quickly uh, remind myself. Come on, oh, yes. to be the co-host. <laughs> yeah the co-host turn host so our next discussion point will the St Kilda win for Carlton by David Teague some time uh, 
there's a there's a little bit at the end of that question which I remember, which is even if they lose to Gold Coast, if they lose to Gold Coast, David Teague's job is absolutely still in danger. This is the problem with coaching such a big club, especially one that hasn't had success in now 26 years. Every single loss that you're expected to have to win will magnify the pressure on you tenfold compared to if you're the coach of a recently successful club or an interstate club. That's just the way it is with the Melbourne Fishbowl media here in this city. It was a great win against St Kilda without a shadow of a doubt. And no offense, St Kilda supporters, but let's be realistic about where the Saints are this year. I mean, sure, they've had a great five weeks beforehand, including crushing Richmond, crushing Brisbane in Queensland, and nearly beating the Eagles in Perth. But let's not forget that this is the same team that lost to the Dogs by 111 points, lost to Essendon by 75 points, lost to Richmond by 86 points, and lost to the Power by nine goals. Let's not pretend that St Kilda in 2021 are a premiership contender. They should be. I thought they were going to be, but they're not. So while, yes, it was a great victory for the Blues, they play in their final two games, two finals contenders. From memory, they play Port and they play GWS in round 23. So those final two games are going to be really, really tricky. David T knows that. The players should know that. So they should know that they have to beat Carlton. Excuse me. They have to beat Gold Coast. Although, granted, some of the Blues' performances this year, it's almost like they have been beating up Carlton. Carlton been beating up Carlton. Jeez. If I was a betting man, I would put my money on Carlton to win that one. I don't know about you. It can buy him a little bit of time, but it's all about, you know, it's not just based on one game. It's a 22-game regular season, and it's about how do you follow up that win. You know, and Kane Corns pointed out, are the Blues celebrating just a little bit too hard? It was like that win against Collingwood, and people were asking, you know, are they celebrating too hard? They come out and they get absolutely crushed by the team sitting 18th on the ladder. It would be just like Carlton to lose to Gold Coast. That would be the most Carlton thing that this club has done in forever. So... Has this win against St. Kilda bought David Teague a little bit of time? Maybe. Let's see how they go on Saturday afternoon. What about you, Liam? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see uh, Gold Coast pull off a win against Carlton. Um, that would be that, that would be uh, music to my ears if that was the case. And uh, I would be full, full steam ahead on the Gold Coast train. Like, I will be full steam ahead for Gold Coast in that game. Um, but... In terms of Dega, you know Teague's job, um, I always thought that they would let him see out the year, and I think now with only a couple of rounds left, there's no doubt about that. I think that it would seem a bit of an interesting decision with, you know, a game or two left to all of a sudden make a change. Why wouldn't you just let him see it out? I think, um, and that was always my that's been my thought since early on in the year. I think I think they they're pretty set on David Teague's vision, um, at least for this year. Um, in terms of beyond that, maybe it might not be. Um, so 
I think the St Kilda game itself doesn't necessarily buy him more time, um, but it does obviously keep Carlton in with a, a very small chance at finals. Um, but that is requiring that they play pretty superbly and consistently in their last three games and have results go their way as well, which is a lot to ask. Um, you know, I, I don't think Carlton will make the eight, but you never know. Again, result like if things go their way, they play well, which I think they've got the team capable of, even if they don't seem to do it consistently. Um, they could miraculously make their way into the eight. Um, in terms of Gold Coast, I mean, if they were to lose, they would cop a lot of slack. I don't think that will be the case, though. I think based on the way the Gold Coast played, I just I can't see the Gold Coast winning that game. I mean, I really hope they do. <laughs> nothing, nothing would make me happier than to see Gold Coast win that game. Um, probably even more so than if Collingwood beat Hawthorne, because at this point, what's the point for Collingwood versus Hawthorne? No one's watching that, let's be real. I mean, I will be, but there's no point to watch other than if you're a supporter of your teams and you just want to watch them. Um, whereas the Gold Coast Carlton game, at least for Carlton, has got, you know, still got quite a lot of value in it. Um, so, yeah, I think David Teague's job is safe for the rest of the year, but games like this definitely, uh, should they lose, won't look good on his resume looking forward to next year, I think. Final question. All right, yeah, the final question, moving swiftly and uh, kind of carrying on with the Gold Coast theme, is Stuart Jew in trouble after that 98-point pumping at the hands of Melbourne? I thought um, it was very interesting. Um, don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. Um, <laughs> I thought it's very interesting. I can't remember for the life of me who said this, but it was someone who said if this Stuart Jew was a coach of a Melbourne-based club, and he had the record that he had with the losses that he had in every single season that he's been coached, he would have been let go last season. He, he, he wouldn't be coached at the moment, which is very true. I feel like yeah. interstate clubs get a little bit of a break from the Melbourne-based media because, you know, Melbourne-based media always focusing on Collingwood and Carlton and Essendon. And it's just the way it is, right? When you have a, when you have a city with nine of the eighteen teams in the competition, you're going to be focusing on those nine teams, which is fair enough. But also, at the same time, the Gold Coast Suns, especially, are under a unique kind of pressure in the AFL, because and you could say the Giants are too, but the Giants have like over thirty thousand members, something ridiculous like that. Which is congrats to the Giants. It's a wonderful effort considering, you know, it's in rugby league heartland. Absolutely fantastic effort there. The Suns, on the other hand, granted, they've got 19,000 members, which I think is their new record, and full kudos to them. Great effort. But the Giants, nobody's talking about their future and whether or not they should be in the competition anymore. You know, it's almost like the Giants are an accepted part of the AFL. And granted, maybe when the Giants start sucking again, how whenever that will be, that will change. But as for now, it's almost like the AFL has, the AFL world has begrudgingly accepted GWS into the pantheon of AFL clubs. But the Suns are kind of like that one person who can't get into the club just yet. 
they're talking to the bouncer and the bouncer's looking at the list and saying, eh, sorry, you're not quite accepted just yet. And with talks about a new team in Tasmania possibly joining, you know, this could get a team up in Darwin. There's a talk about, you know, there's talk about whether or not we can support a 20-team competition. And I think this season doesn't help that argument, considering how shocked, considering there's only really six good teams in the competition this year. And the, the league, you know, was possibly once a 20-team competition. So with all that, it has to come back on the coach. Rightly or wrongly, it comes back on the coach. I have seen over the last two years, simultaneously, big strides in improvement and absolutely zero improvement from the Suns under Stuart Do. They can't, they cannot accept big losses like this. And now Alistair Clarkson is on the market. If I was Gold Coast, I would be calling Alistair Clarkson. I would be calling Paul Roos. Hell, get Ross Lyon up there. He might not win you a premiership, but by gosh, he'll get you close to one. He'll make you a relevant club in your own city. The talent is there for the Gold Coast. Performances like that against Melbourne, it's just a lack of effort. And rightly or wrongly, that reflects back on the coach because it's your job to get your players ready. So if I was to do a do, I would not have slept a wink Sunday night. Wouldn't have slept at all. So yeah, he's in trouble, all right? He's in trouble. His seat's definitely heating up. For your part in the pun. On to you, Liam. He's uh, he's Mr. Hot Pants at the moment, probably. <laughs> um, in, in, <laughs> I was getting ready for you to say something there. You, you look like you're readying yourself for, for a comment based on the, uh, you know, the, the the hot seat and the hot pants comments. But uh, we can move on from that. But um, I, I definitely agreed on the sentiment you made at the beginning there, where you said being an interstate team you get given a bit more leniency um i think that definitely applies to some states i think well i think namely because gws and gold coast are you know relatively new in the competition you know gold coast so this is what their 10th year now and i think gws their eighth i think or ninth maybe um obviously they're a little bit more lenient because they understand especially in the case of gold coast that results aren't going to be very consistent based on how they've been since they've been in the competition. Um, but they should be consistent. I mean, for yeah. crying out loud, it's 10 years into their existence. They've been given how many first round draft picks? Yeah. And they haven't been able to keep any of them because they haven't created a culture of winning, a culture of sustained success through three different coaches now. Yeah. I, I, how many I mean, how do they want? Yeah. It's at that point where I think I think the Gold Coast have stuck with Stuart Jew because they probably don't think they can get a hold of anyone else who could miraculously turn the ship anytime soon. Like I don't think if they brought Clarkson in or if they brought Ross Lyon in or Paul Roos, they'd be you know a top four or a top five team anytime soon. It would probably be at least like a three, four, five year mission 
I mean, prove me wrong, you know, it, whether or not it's Stuart Jewell or someone else, prove me wrong if they're a top four team in two years. But I think it's going to be a bit more of a journey than it is a case of, oh, we get one or two players and then this is a complete package. Um, it's definitely a, a club which has a lot of work to do. Um, whether or not the Gold Coast can actually get a hold of someone like Alistair Clarkson, I have obviously, you know, he is now on the market. I have heard the rumours that Gold Coast, you know, should be looking at getting him. Um, I mean, you know, if they can get a hold of him, all credit to him. You know, he could be the sort of coach or, like you said, Ross Lyon might make you relevant even if he doesn't win something. Um, so, you know, all power to them if they can get a coach like that. But I think, I don't know, I don't see it happening, um, to be honest. And I think because of that, I think Stuart Jew, for now at least, is safe. I think next year, though, will be a telling year for, for him. I think if he doesn't get them at least close to finals football, I think that he'll he'll probably have a bit of he'll probably have a big issue on his hands. I think they they don't necessarily need to make finals next year, but I think the original sentiment this year was that he should be pushing for finals. So the absolute latest for me is next year. If they aren't at least, you know, within a game or two of the finals, come the last couple of rounds next year, if they're not in the position that you know the Carltons, the Essendons, the Richmonds are right now, if he's not in that position next year. I think there'll be a lot more questions asked. And I think this time next year could be uh, the real trouble time for Stuart Jew. But I think right now he's probably he's probably safe in his seat, in my opinion. I just wonder how many more losses like that on Sunday can the Gold Coast Suns take before it becomes too much? And if you're the AFL, I would be doing it's maybe sketchy as all hell, but I'd be doing everything possible for the Suns to get Alistair Clarkson. Imagine the get that would be for the AFL. Imagine that. Especially because the NRL Gold Coast Titans aren't doing fabulously. Imagine that becoming the premier football team out of any football code on the Gold Coast in a state dominated by rugby league. Be a huge get. Be like Tony Lockett going to Sydney in the 90s. Be huge. Anyways, on to section three, dear listener, where we will preview, give out uh, who we think is going to win, by how much and why. And then at the end, we'll each discuss our uh, game that we're most looking forward to and why, which game we think is going to be the biggest blowout of the round. Let's start Friday Night Football. It was originally the Bulldogs and the Bombers, but instead it has been changed to Geelong versus the Giants at GMHBA Stadium. How about that for alliteration? Liam, I'll let you start with this one. Can the Giants cause a monumental upset or will Geelong continue purring their way to finals if you pardon the pun? I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a big ask of uh, GWS. Geelong have been on an exceptional run. Um, and they're playing at GMHBA Stadium. So <laughs> you, you put those two things together and there's probably only one result. Um, so unsurprisingly, I think, I, I, I think, you know, yes, Geelong struggled against North Melbourne last week. It was only 20 points. <laughs> and, I, and I say only because you'd, you'd probably think, you know, a team as good as Geelong versus a team who have struggled like Port, uh, not Port, sorry, North this year. Um, you'd think they'd probably get past them a bit easier than that. But it was in Tassie, to be fair to Geelong. You know, North Melbourne aren't too bad down there. So, 
getting a win at the end of the day is the most important thing, even if it isn't as, you know, brilliant as they would have hoped at the end of the day. They get the four points. Uh, and that's the main thing when you're battling for, well, now at this point, they're battling for top slot. You know, it's just a matter of percentage between them and the Bulldogs. Um, so I think at home and with the run that they're on Geelong, I think they'll be just, I think they'll be far too strong for GWS. I'm actually thinking it'll be a bit of a blowout. I'm going to go for Geelong by 41 points. How about yourself? Yeah, Geelong by about five, six goals should be a fairly easy win. Geelong, some say they're premiership favourites. Would I go that far? No, but if they're not premiership favourites and they're second in line or third at worst, they should, well, we'll see how they go in finals. We know they struggle in finals football for whatever reason, Geelong, but they should finish at minimum prelim finalists this year. And even if they don't win the premiership this year, yet another good season for Geelong. On to Saturday afternoon football at Marvel Stadium, Carlton versus Gold Coast. So I know we've just talked about this game. However, I can't help but think of the last time the Suns were under this much pressure. Earlier this year, coming up against a team that everyone was saying would absolutely annihilate them. That was, of course, Richmond in round 16. Especially when that game was moved to Melbourne. Away from from the Gold Coast, no way the Suns were going to win. So... With that lesson in mind, and with the knowledge of how hot and cold Carlton's performances can be, I'm tipping this weekend to be a very cold one for David Teague. That's right. I'm tipping the Suns to win in an upset by a couple of goals. You've heard it here first. That's more me hoping it's going to happen than me thinking it's going to happen. But I've been right about the Suns before tipping upsets, and I'm tipping them this time. Gold Coast by a couple of goals. King to kick six. I mean, it was earlier on last year when we were sitting here predicting West Coast versus Gold Coast, and I gave them absolutely no chance. And you pulled an absolute rabbit out of a hat and predicted them to somehow win that game. And they did. So if anyone's going to predict a Gold Coast upset, it is you. You just seem to know. Call me football Nostradamus. I think you've got some kind of inside intel at Gold Coast. Like, you just seem to have whatever it is in terms of them pulling out results. You just have the inside intel, and they're like, you know what? We're turning up for you this week, Casper. Um, But in typical Gold Coast prediction fashion, you've picked the upset. I'm going to go with the more expected result and probably be proven – well, I hope to be proven wrong. I hope with all due respect to Carlton – I hope to be proven wrong, and I hope Gold Coast do absolutely pull off the upset. But um, I'm going to back Carlton. I think based off last week's results, it's hard to think that Gold Coast will bounce back, at least to the degree that would be needed to beat Carlton, who are playing, well, played good last week. Let's put it as far as that. They did lose to North Melbourne the week before. So, you know, then again, they could, you know, actually cause this upset. But... I think, uh, I think Carlton, there's too much on the line for them. They need to keep winning, and I think they will. I think it'll, it'll be a bit of a blowout, but I think Gold Coast might actually just pull a few goals back later, it may at least make it semi-respectable. I'll go 38 points. Very interesting indeed. Dear listener, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, 
who am I going to tip? Uh, who am I going to tip for this game? Just remember who tipped the Gold Coast to beat West Coast last year. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. On to Richmond versus North Melbourne at the MCG. Now, uh, some people might think that this will be an upset. Liam, are you some people in this context? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, North played well. They did do well against uh, Geelong. But I think this is on Richmond's turf. The G is their fortress, even if it hasn't been as much of a fortress as it has been in previous years. Um, again, similar to Carlton, there's too much on the line for, for Richmond. Um, and, you know, if they're ever going to need a game uh, to play to keep their finals hopes alive, they'd say every day of the week, we want it at the G. And it doesn't get much better than playing bottom of the ladder at the G. <laughs> so... I think Richmond have pretty, I mean, Richmond have been awful of late. Let's not dance around the fact they've only won one of their last five, which for a team who want to make the finals, yeah, you're not really giving yourself much hope there. But I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be tough. I do think North Melbourne are going to make it difficult for Richmond. Um, but I, I think the fact that it's at the G and I've got so much to play for, I think they will get over the line by 20 points. How about yourself? I'm tipping North Melbourne to bounce the time. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm tipping the Tigers. Tigers should win this game and they'll win it by about four goals or so. But can you imagine the, the punny headlines if North Melbourne do win? North Melbourne, hop all over the Tigers' premiership defence. North Melbourne, shin bonus spirit, two-spirited for Richmond. And of course, the stereotypical one whenever Richmond lose, the toothless Tigers. I wonder who, wonder who came up with that first and I hope that they've been paid all the royalties whenever that's been used. Uh, but no, Richmond should win this one. If they lose this one, you can forget them making finals football. If they lose this one, they should just rest all their players, rest all their, give, give the young players experience in the last couple of games, rest the old players, get them ready for 2022. On to, uh, now this game at Marvel Stadium, St. Kilda versus Sydney in the annual Pride game. I saw one comment from a St. Kilda supporter, which is saying, you know, it's really interesting that we're playing this Pride game against Sydney this weekend, since that's all we're playing for. Um, I do think the Swans are going to win. They should win by about three to four goals. I think the Saints are going to push the Swans like they did earlier in the year when they met in Sydney and the if it wasn't for inaccuracy from St. Kilda, they could have won that game. It would have been one of the upsets of the season. But it's weird. Like at Marvel Stadium, St. Kilda is terrible. And you normally don't say that about a team playing at home. Normally at home, they play really, really well. But the Saints this year have just been just terrible at Marvel Stadium. Just like Every single time they played at Marvel Stadium, it was like me taking a math exam in high school. Just sheer panic and just awfulness results from that panic. So as a result of where they're playing and because the Swans, they have too much pride, uh, funnily enough, um, they've been reunited with their family in Melbourne, which is great. It's going to give them the boost that they need to get over the Saints this week. Swans comfortably. How about you, Liam? Who's going to win in the annual queer pride game? 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, you know, Sydney are coming off the back of a great win against Essendon. Um, like you said, they've been they've been given a bit of a, a boost by seeing their families. Um, so I think that, I think Sydney will uh, get over the line. Like you, I think St Kilda could push them um, a fair bit. But Sydney have, uh, in a sense, not broken their, uh, you know, bottom 10 voodoo because they do have beaten a couple of teams outside the top eight. But they have tended to struggle more so against those sides. Um, but I think, you know, they did beat Essendon in a, in a great game uh, last weekend. So I, I will back Sydney to get over the line by 19 points. It's going to be an awesome game of football, potentially. It could also be a blowout. Who knows? On to Saturday night football in Adelaide. 15,000 fans allowed at the ground for this game. Significantly less than the showdown earlier this year, but significantly more than the showdown in 2020. So that's something at least. It's the Crows and the power of the Crows sans Taylor Walker. And I think that out is the biggest news out of this yeah, this in this coming round of matches in terms of who who's in and who's out. Taylor Walker being out, he's out. How how are the Crows going to score? They're not. They can't. They won't. They don't. Port's going to win by about seven goals in yet another comfortable showdown. Smacking. How are you, Liam? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's hope for a classic, but. I think Port will be too strong. Um, of the last three uh, showdowns, they've won every single one by at least eight goals. So we haven't had a good showdown game in a while, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, and I think I think it'll be a bit. I think okay. I think it'll be a little bit better for Adelaide because I think it won't be another eight goal smacking. Um, but I do think it'll be another semi-comfortable win for, for Port. I think I'll back them in by 31 points. Now, uh, I just want to make sure that this is indeed the Saturday night clash. Uh, no, it is not, but that's okay. We'll discuss it anyways. Hawthorne versus Collingwood, no longer in Tasmania. It is at the MCG. And because it is at the MCG, and because I trust Collingwood a little bit more, I'm tipping the Pies to win by 11 points. Don't let me down. How about you, Liam? Are you backing your Pies? Well, both teams are coming off great results. Um, you know, both teams got really good wins against teams that they were definitely probably not favourites to beat. Um, and because both teams are coming off great results, it's a bit of a toss of a coin. But because that's the case, I've got to back my own team in. Um, but then again, who knows? The Hawks could do it for Clarko like we did it for Bucks. Um, but I, I've got to back Collingwood for a hopeful 22-point win. On to uh, another Sunday game, the Western Bulldogs versus Essendon. Liam, the Bombers are still in the hunt. Now, if they lose this game, they can still make finals football. But obviously, they'd want to win this game to give themselves the best opportunity to play finals football, to have their, their finals hopes in their hands. They haven't beaten the Bulldogs since 2014. 2014. Back then, Ryan Griffin was the captain of the Western Bulldogs. That's how long ago that was. My question to you is, Liam, can the Bombers 
blitz the bullies or will the bulldogs bark prove as vicious as their bite i've messed up that metaphor but you get the point you're really running with the idea of uh you know the nicknames um, i love puns <laughs> Uh, it won't be 21 in a row, you'll be glad to hear, as much yeah. as I would love to see it. Thank God. <laughs> um, which is just one of the greatest moments in football history, as far as I'm concerned, of course. But uh, I do think that my doggies will be, well, I say my doggies, they are my second team, so I'll claim them to be my team. Uh, I think they'll be too strong for Essendon, um, but Essendon seem to be very competitive this year in pretty much every game they play, even if they do lose more or less um so i think it'll i think it'll be another great game but i think in another agonizing uh way for essendon it'll be a second close defeat this time by nine points second close defeat how many we've had so many close defeats this year second close defeat i i can in a I, row in a row okay, obviously right, right, right. i'm talking about last week here. i'm not talking about the extended season here I was about to say, have you been watching us this year? Most of our losses have been these close losses. Uh, goodness gracious me. My heart can't take it. Neither can my fingernails. Wait, wait, They're getting wait. disturbingly short. Uh, you might have had a lot of close losses this year, but don't talk to me about close losses. We've had two one-point losses this year. so That's true. I forgot I was talking <laughs> to, a, uh, to a Collingwood supporter. Um, now, I was hopeful that the Bombers were going to beat the Swans last week, and I was nearly correct. I am far less hopeful about this game. In that stretch since 2014, there's been one, one win in 2015, 2016, 2017, six wins in a row so far for the Dogs against the Bombers, and almost all of them have been absolute shellackings. I've been to two of the biggest ones, an 87-point loss in 2015, and a 104-point loss in 2019. That game, and I keep saying it every single time the Bombers and the Bulldogs meet, but that game was the definition of hell on earth. I remember there was news that I saw walking into the stadium Supposedly an asteroid was going to pass by the Earth later on in the week. And I remember texting you saying, hey, just heard this news from about NASA, right? Just wondering, if we win tonight, does that mean that, you know, we'll win like the final AFL game ever? Does that make us the eternal premiers? And after that game, I remember texting you saying, we deserve to be eternal wooden spooners after that. That was... It's, it's safe to say Luke Beveridge has Essendon's number for the for the most part. He's never lost to us Yeah, as coach. He has never, ever, ever lost to us. And look, Bevo, I love you, but please, please have mercy on us. Please, I beg you, at least make it an interesting game. But I do think the Dogs are going to win and they'll win by about five goals. Should be an easy win. On to, I forgot that the last game was a Monday game, so the Hawthorne-Collingwood game is indeed on Sunday. The final game on Sunday, and the first of two games in a row in Perth, Fremantle versus Brisbane. Now, Liam, can the Lions win a badly needed one away, or can the Dockers bring their second straight upset in a bid 
for the top eight? Well, most people at this point would be thinking he's going to back the better team. He's going to say Brisbane. But you know what? I don't pick enough upsets, or at least maybe not an upset at this point because you wouldn't say Fremantle are massive underdogs, but a surprise result, we can say. So I am actually going to back Frio. I think on home turf, they're going to be too strong. I, oh. think, Bris- I think Brisbane are going to come out of the gates early. I think Brisbane are going to look like they've got them covered, but I think Frio are going to go down into the dressing rooms at halftime, maybe a couple of goals down and be like, you know what? No, there's too much on the line. We're going to come out. We're going to show Brisbane what we do on our home turf. They're going to win by 15 points. How about you? I like how specific that is. I like it. I do think Brisbane is going to win um, just because they're too good of a team to not win. It'll be a close game. Um, Earlier in the year, the game between these two teams wasn't that great. But before that, Last year, Lions won by a couple of goals. In 2019, Fremantle won by a point. Michael Walters after the final siren. Funnily enough, that was uh, the second game in a row where he won a game, where he won the game in the final 30 seconds or so. The week before that was against uh, was against your pies at the MCG. Not the first time that you've lost a close game to a Western Australian team at the MCG, eh? Anyways... <laughs> You knew it was coming. It happens every week. You knew it was coming. Anyways, why you put up with me? I have no idea. Anyways, I think Brisbane's going to win. They should win this game pretty comfortably in the end. Would I be shocked if Fremantle won this? Yes, yes, I would. But crazier things have happened. On to Monday night football. Do or die for the Eagles in terms of making the top eight. Do or die for the Ds in terms of their top two hopes. And I think the Ds will raise hell on Monday Night Football. It will be like, it would almost be like the shellacking, the verbal shellacking that Gordon Ramsay hands out to horrible restaurant owners on Kitchen Nightmares. It will be like that. Melbourne will give West Coast an absolute football lesson. They will eviscerate the Eagles for at least a half of football, but the other half of football will be close. It will balance out a little bit. Demons by three goals. How about you? Well, you were building to that. I was expecting to hear something like eight, nine, ten goals. But uh, in the end, you went with a, a more probably uh, respectable scoreline. Adam Simpson is just there in Perth, just looking at his game plan going, it's raw. <laughs> it's raw. My man could make a better game plan than you. <laughs> um. Obviously, it's the second game in, well, both games uh, for Frio and for West Coast are being played uh, down down there. They're not down there. They're over there to the west. Um, so it, it's a good weekend if you're, you know, a Western Australia because you've got uh, two games to go to if, of course, you're actually willing to watch both teams and you're not just there to support your own team. Uh, and on home turf, the Eagles have a point to prove. Uh, and this would be a great way to do it against the high-flying Ds, obviously coming off a 98-point win. Let's not, let's not just give them a 90-point win. That's not enough. No, no, they wanted those extra eight points. Let's not forget. Don't shortchange them. Yeah. I, I will say this. You could have just got the extra two to make it a nice round of 100. But, I mean, okay, I'll let you off on that one. I suppose 98 is still pretty good. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just got this gut feeling the Eagles are going to come out. They've got a point to prove. 
I don't know. I could see him causing an upset here. I really could. The D's obviously have, you know, started to find a little bit of mojo when they have to travel over there and play them. But the Eagles have a, an incredible record against Melbourne in the West and everything points to Melbourne winning. So why not come out and prove everyone wrong? I'm going to actually pick the Eagles by two goals. I've gone for two surprise results. Wow. So if you're a Western Australia, look forward to a great weekend of footy if I somehow am, am miraculously correct. And I thought that I was making a big call calling the Suns to beat the Blues, but wow. Okay, fair enough. Which game are you most looking forward to this weekend, Liam, and why? Uh, um, oh, that's a tough one. Um it's probably between two. I think it, it comes down to, I mean, both of these games we both said could be blowouts, but at the same time, they could be good games if certain teams turn up in them. It's probably between the Saints and the Swans and the Dogs and the Bombers for me. And because I think they're slightly more consistent and exciting to watch uh, in the sense of the Bombers, I'll go with the Dogs and the Bombers. I think that Bevo will get his win, as I predicted, but I don't think it'll be uh, convincing. I think the, the Bombers will actually give him a good game. So I think that's going to be a good watch. I'm not as hopeful as you are on that being a good game of football. I've, I've, I've had my hopes. I've, I've, I've had my hopes torn to shreds of a good Western Bulldogs vs. in a game. The last few times we played the Dogs, and it's almost always been a blowout. Hmm. Excuse me, I'm getting the urge to sneeze. I'm getting an allergic reaction just thinking about the Western Bulldogs playing Essendon. Um, I'm tipping another surprise one because I think even though this team is bottom of the ladder, they are over the last, if you just take the last eight weeks alone, if you just look at the eight weeks, they are amongst one of the most consistent teams in the competition. They'll challenge the Tigers It'll be a great game of football, I think. I'm really curious to see how North Melbourne take it up to last year's premiers because they know they're gettable and Richmond are absolutely gettable. Excuse me. Absolutely gettable. <laughs> Apologies. That was yet another allergic reaction that I had still thinking about the Western Bulldogs the Essendon game. <clears throat> On to our uh, potential biggest blowout of the weekend. Oh, boy. There are so many to choose from. Uh Hopefully, we'll get a better round than last time. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But I think it could very well be the showdown. Another showdown shocker. How about you, Liam? Well, I, I definitely think that that could definitely be the, 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 uh, the most disappointing game of the weekend. Um, but I think that... Hard to say. I, I think that um, tonight's game will be disappointing. I just think that Geelong at home are going to be extremely strong. I just think GWS, you know, travelling to Geelong, it just ticks all the boxes for Geelong to turn up and for GWS to have an off night. So I'm going to predict that to be my blowout for the week. The Giants did win the last time they were in Geelong. That is true. That Around is true. Or 2019, the Harry Himmelberg channeling Jonathan Brown-esque game was was a long time ago though it was and it was a completely different gws team that's very true completely different geelong team as well 
Back then, Sean Higgins was still playing for North Melbourne. Isaac Smith was still playing for Hawthorne. And Jeremy Cameron was playing for the opposition that day. So, yeah, should be interesting. That's the, that is for sure. Now, thank you, Liam, so much for joining me for this week and for putting up for all my jokes about Collingwood, like, like, I, like I always make. Uh, but you know I love you, right? Right? I'm not yeah, like yeah. I'll let you off. I'll let right. you off. I was thinking for a second with the silence. I was like, "Wait, did I actually like offend you?" Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay, no, good. Okay, and thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Wish your team, whoever that is, unless it's the Western Bulldogs this weekend, a very good weekend, and I hope your team wins again. Unless you're a Western Bulldogs or a St Kilda supporter, in which case, then I hope they lose. But I still hope it's a good game of football. Um, until then, sayonara and go the Aussies in Tokyo. Our equal, so far, equal best ever Olympics. Like, absolutely incredible. Hope you enjoy watching the rest of the Olympics, but occasionally watch the football as well this weekend. Could be a few good games on. Like.